Welcome back to Murder on Sex Island. Written and read by me, Joe Firestone. This is episode 12, where I'll be reading the final chapters, 41 through 44, and the epilogue. I know you want to get right to the good stuff, but here's a little recap, just in case you need it. Ethan revealed his post-Sex Island plans to host his own private investigation TV show. He also tried to convince Luella that Tasha killed David G and demanded that she pay him half of what she was making. John became very sick after eating Phil's jello, and Francis tried to kill Luella with a bread knife. Chapter 41 Ethan stood there holding a hogtied Tasha over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes. He was still wearing that stupid trench coat. Tasha squirmed, but her efforts had little effect. I noticed her mouth had been duct taped shut, and her wrists were tied in the same way AJ's had been. Come with me, he insisted in an overly saccharine tone. Though every fiber of my being told me not to, I followed him and Tasha down the hall. I looked for any sign of Max, the sound guy, but no one was out there besides us. Nate's apartment was 7C. We stopped in front of 7A, David G.'s old apartment. Ethan swiped his key fob and opened the door. Ladies first, he said with a sinister smile. I walked in to find David N. and Nate sitting on the couch. I noticed D2, the Mighty Ducks, was playing on mute. Clever, very clever. David N. was slowly eating Cool Ranch Doritos. He looked up at me and winked. I felt sick. Nate stood up, brushed his hands on his board shorts, and walked toward me. So what's this I hear about you doing some private investigating? David N. stayed on the couch, licking his fingers. He had crumbs in his baby goatee. Yeah, Luella, we trusted you were one of us, but you lied. That's fucked up. Ethan carefully set Tasha down on the floor in front of the TV as he spoke. I told you guys, her name isn't even Luella. It's Marie Jones. She's a social worker from Staten Island, and she's 29 years old. Nate and David N. erupted in a chorus of oohs and uggs. I really hated these men. I looked at Tasha and tried to maintain eye contact, but her eyes rolled back in her head. Drugged, most likely. Have you seen Phil lately? David N. asked, jeering. Where is he? I said with gritted teeth. Oh, he's in the bathroom, said Nate. Maybe you should check on him. He and David N. snickered like schoolboys. I made my way to the bathroom, not sure what to prepare myself for. The last time I was in that apartment, when I saw the sweatshirt, the box of tea, the cereal, and the wet toothbrush, I foolishly assumed they were David G.'s. Now I realized they probably weren't. I remembered that the tea was PG Tips, which seemed overtly British at the time. Maybe Stryker was involved, too? I tried to wrap my mind around what I was dealing with here. Three young men, presumably on steroids and Lord knew what else, had a woman tied up. And here I was, unarmed. I passed through the bedroom, which was as I remembered it, for the most part. But there, on the nightstand was a pad of yellow post-it notes. I hadn't seen those before. I thought of Stephanie's bedside table. Hurry up, bitch, 
I heard one of them yell. It sounded like Nate. I walked into the bathroom, bracing myself for something awful. Phil bloody on the floor. Phil dead on the toilet. But nothing seemed out of the ordinary. No one was in there. It was eerily still until I pulled back the shower curtain. There was Phil, lying in the tub with a big smile on his face. He was positioned just like David G. had been, and because of that, his tank top had ridden up. I could see his navel, which was an Audi. I realized in that second I'd never seen Phil without his shirt on. Something clicked in my brain. The belly button incisions. Before I could register what was happening, he jumped up and grabbed me. I screamed. Baby, 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 shh, it's okay. He turned me around and rubbed my shoulder so hard I heard a pop. He held me close to him with his elbow hooked around my neck and dragged me back to the living room. Look who found me, Phil squealed, using a sing-song voice I found unnerving. Good detective work, Marie Jones, David N. shouted. Phil sat me down on the living room chair and held me there by my shoulders. My tailbone throbbed and I couldn't move much. He was stronger than I'd anticipated and his grip was tightening. Nate and David N. were sitting on the couch. I glanced at the muted TV still playing the Mighty Ducks sequel. Above a tied-up Tasha, Emilio Estevez was giving a heartfelt pep talk to the U.S. Junior Olympics hockey team. Ethan crossed to the center of the room and addressed the group. I got your culprit right here, Marie. Tasha's all tied up and ready to be turned in. Just keep in mind, I don't work for free. You sure don't, David N. said to Nate, barely above a whisper. Nate smirked. Ethan shot an angry look in their direction. What'd you say? Nothing, David N. said. Phil addressed me. Come on, babe, say thank you to Ethan. I felt his fingers tap against my trachea. She didn't do it. I said, holding very still. She didn't do it, Phil said, pretending to be outraged. He really was a bad actor. Then who did it, hon? In my time diligently watching Sex Island, I'd learned a few things about these reality TV stars. Mainly, if they were going to do something, they wanted credit for doing it. I believe it was a group effort, but, I said... A group effort, Ethan mimicked me. But what? It was a group effort, but... Nate was the brains, I said, maintaining eye contact with Ethan. Nate? Ethan cried, pointing to Nate. That fucking idiot? Hey, now, Nate said. Nate couldn't tie his shoes if they were Velcro straps, Ethan shouted. You spend practically two weeks here, and all you have to show for yourself is that Nate did it? You see, I told you guys she wouldn't figure it out. We could have just continued with the plan. Hold on, I did a lot of it, Nate insisted. I dumped both bodies, one in her bathtub, one in the trash room. Remember I almost got a hernia? Maybe I'm not the brains, but I'm definitely the muscle around here. You ask me to do something, I'm going to do it right. He frowned and rubbed his bulging arm muscles. And for what it's worth, I did much more than David N. Seems like it, I said. At first, I wasn't sure why David G.'s body was put in my bathtub. But now I knew. The killer wanted me to see his work. They could have put him anywhere, but they chose the private investigator's bathtub. 
Maybe they thought it'd scare me off, but they didn't realize I've seen some shit. Like I said, Staten Island Divorce Court. Hey, I did a lot of stuff too, David N. piped up. I had to seduce Stephanie, who was middle-aged, just to get the car keys. I even wrote her love notes, and I hate writing. These guys wouldn't have all the antifreeze and shit if it weren't for me, driving all over the island, paying cash at every auto supply shop. I did that for the Brotherhood. I would do anything for you guys. Loyalty is king. So, when you were looking under the van, I said, Uh, I was looking for the key to the van to get more antifreeze. Um, you guys, I think this woman is actually pretty stupid. Should we just kill her now? Now I had the accomplices, but I wasn't done. I needed the mastermind's confession. So who's the brains? Couldn't be Phil, could it? I said as stupidly as possible. I even crinkled my forehead for effect. Phil stared at me, a twinkle in those brown eyes. Ethan, I told you she'd figure it out. Ethan sulked. Phil continued. Believe it or not, I formed this brotherhood of gentlemen only halfway through the season. No offense to present company, but these guys didn't understand how to play the game. See, Sex Island is a game, and in order to win, you have to play strategically. I gave these guys a chance for a guaranteed win. I'm not in your stupid brotherhood, Ethan said. Fine. Ethan's technically our... What would you call yourself, Ethan? Phil asked. Our cockroach, Nate shouted before Ethan could answer. I'm a consultant, Ethan replied, glaring at Nate. Phil nodded to David N., who took over, holding me down by my neck. Phil moved to the center of the room. Ethan stepped aside. See... Ethan is somewhat of a hobby detective, Phil continued. Once he found out what we were doing to David G., he wormed his way in through blackmail. We've been paying him for almost a month now, haven't we? More or less, Ethan said. Ah, so that's who paid for those nice linen curtains. I don't understand, I said. If I learned anything from Sex Island, it was to always get multiple takes. Phil groaned. Babe, keep up. As the weeks went on, it became very clear to me that David G. was set to win. So, I needed to take him out. Are you following? I nodded. But I couldn't do it by myself. It was too risky, Phil continued. Then David G. went and gave a rim job to Nate's girl, Blair. Bam! Suddenly Nate hated him, too. And David N., well, I'd also want to kill someone if he shared my name and was better than me in every measurable way. Ethan caught on to us, so I brought him on board. A quarter of the prize money in exchange for information and discretion. Better to have your enemies close, right? Ethan rolled his eyes. Plus, the ratings went up a lot once David G. went missing. All of us are already super famous, Nate added. Right, well, kill the star and the show takes off. Not such a high price to pay. I hope you boys appreciate what I've done. Fame is not so easy to come by these days, Phil said. Yeah, 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 Nate muttered. You killed David G., I said. It was a group effort, but yes, you're looking at the idea guy. Do you know how easy it is to poison someone with antifreeze? If it's a low enough dose, nobody knows what's going on until it's too late. The symptoms could just as easily be from a hangover. 
With that woo-woo Sheila as our medic, it was a cakewalk, he winked at me. The thing about poison is, people always assume it's the wife or the girlfriend. Hence our gal Tasha over there, Phil said, nudging her with his foot. Tasha was pretty much unconscious by now. So you couldn't win just by being yourself, huh? I interjected. You know you're missing a tooth, Phil replied condescendingly. You had to drag all these beta males into your plan, I continued. Hey, I'm no beta, Ethan yelled. We're not fucking beta males, Nate and David N. said almost in unison. Was it a confidence issue, Phil? I asked. My social work degree was really paying off now. Phil shook his head. Listen, I know I'm fucking hot, but I can't compete with a male nurse, okay? Nobody can. Besides, I deserve to win after everything I'd been through. What have you been through? I asked. What have I been through? Phil screamed. What haven't I been through? You saw my childhood photo that was going around the internet. I was hideous. My own mother called me ugly and disgusting. The photo in your trailer, that's your mother? How'd you see that? He snapped. I shrugged. Luella, do you know what happens when you win a show like Sex Island? Phil paused to collect himself. Everyone on Earth thinks you're somebody for once in your fucking life. Why'd you try to kill AJ, I asked. Phil sighed loudly. Listen, what happened to AJ was unfortunate. A casualty of war, if you will. Once Ethan figured out who you were, I knew the producers would keep you on until you solved this thing, which meant, essentially, immunity for you and whoever you picked to be your lover. So he was wooing me for immunity. Hearing him say it out loud kind of stung, but I couldn't dwell on it. How'd you actually do it? I asked. Phil smiled then. He looked oddly proud of himself. At the beginning, I made nice with David G. Same with AJ. Same with you, babe. It started off with a few Gatorades here and there. The Gatorade. Of course. It wasn't Stryker's coconut milk punch that poisoned me. It was Phil's Gatorade. Phil continued. Then some mouthwash in the bathroom baskets, homemade smoothies, jellos, the syrup on the protein waffles, anything really that would disguise the taste and color of the Prestone. With AJ, we had to give him more and less time. Things got a little messy, unfortunately. I don't know if you picked up on this, but it really threw a wrench in our plans that he lived. If I was giving you immunity, why try to poison me? I asked. Honey, don't be so dramatic. I wasn't trying to kill you. Trust me, if I was trying to kill you, I'd kill you. I was just trying to get you a little weaker, slow you down a bit, make you work harder. That's all. It's reality TV. Everyone loves a messy bitch. The dude knew what he was doing. How do you think his mom got so sick? David N. chimed in. David N., why don't you shut the fuck up? Any more out of you and you'll be next. Phil looked back to me. I don't know if you knew this, but I'd been testing in the top three for the last month or so. I just needed that extra nudge to guarantee the win. I couldn't let some Staten Island fuckboy mess with my plan. In fact, you should feel somewhat responsible for what happened to AJ. And he slept with Blair, Nate added. Right, and he slept with Blair, which is not acceptable in the Brotherhood. Phil spoke with a level-headed intelligence that scared the crap out of me. He turned and stared out the window. 
The room was briefly silent. Show her your thingy, Phil, Nate said. Phil turned to Nate and glared at him. No, just show her, Nate pleaded. She knows everything else now. Phil shook his head petulantly. David N. muttered something to me, but I couldn't quite hear him. What'd you say? I asked him. He's got an Audi belly button, David N. repeated. Before he got cast on Sex Island, all these modeling agents told Phil they couldn't work with an Audi. Dude works so hard on his appearance, but you can't push an Audi back in. That's just science. So at this point, the only way he can become a real model is if he wins. That's when the brand sponsorships roll in and the money makes itself. If someone told me when I started this gig that a young man would be murdered, all because some guy's complex about his Audi belly button, I just... No. Turned out Phil was scarier than Taylor Bell by a mile. You want to see my Audi? Here, here's my big Audi. Everyone take a good look. Phil screamed, then lifted up his tank top. There it was, just like I'd seen in the bathtub. It was your basic Audi, right below his abs, protruding out half an inch. I wondered, did the modeling world really drive him to do this, or had he always been this way? That's why you cut both men's navels, to mark them, I said, trying very hard to conceal my horror. Well, Luella, when you say it like that, you make me sound like some kind of psychopath. Both times, it was a very small incision. I like to think of it as my calling card. Nate thinks it's cool, don't you, Nate? Nate shrugged. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, shut the hell up. It's not just about my fucking Audi, Phil yelled. It's about respect. It's about coming out of this with something to show for ourselves. The four of us made a pact. We would make the show huge, and then we would make it to the finals. We just had to ensure the right people were eliminated. Then I would win, and afterwards, I'd split the 50K four ways, and that would be that. The Mighty Ducks sequel had ended, and the credits began to roll. Tasha must have regained consciousness, because she let out a groan. I was wondering what these guys had in store for Tasha, when my phone buzzed. Suddenly, I felt all four men's eyes on me. Everyone had heard my phone. I looked to Phil, who slowly shook his head. My phone kept buzzing and buzzing. Somebody was calling me. Somebody who was not in this room. Give that to me, Phil said, grabbing the phone from my pocket. He looked at the screen. Why is Isa calling you? He sent the call to voicemail and threw the phone across the room. It landed on the ground with a cracking sound. I winced. Should have sprung for the apple care. What are you going to do to Tasha? I asked. We figure good old Tasha will play ball. We'll rough her up a bit and then she'll know what she needs to do to win come Monday. Maybe she'll even throw us her half of the prize money. Phil kicked her in the stomach and she moaned. He walked over to the kitchenette and opened the fridge where there were three Gatorades chilling. He managed to grab all three with one of his hands. I like you, Luella, so how about we play a little game? Two of these bottles have a lethal amount of antifreeze in them, and one does not. Pick one of the poison ones, and you'll provide us with the weekend's entertainment, dying a slow and painful death. Pick the safe one, and consider yourself lucky. You can celebrate by getting the fuck out of here and never saying a word to anyone. 
Nate laughed, clapping his hands together like a circus seal. Dude, yes! Phil slammed three bottles down on the coffee table in front of me with so much force, David N's bag of Doritos fell to the ground. The seal at the top of each bottle was broken, which meant any of them could have been tampered with. All the liquids looked to be the same color blue. I couldn't be sure because the sun had begun to set, and the only other source of light was coming from the TV. It was now a landing screen suggesting we watch Mystery Alaska. I swear I'd gone into this with a plan, but something must have gone wrong. I'd gotten their confessions, and at this point I was supposed to have backup. But there was no backup, and now I was being served my choice of chilled poison. I'd have to stall for time or hope for a miracle. I knew reality stars loved talking about their own ambitions, and I figured that might buy me just enough time. I picked up the first bottle, then looked at Nate. If you get away with this, what will you do next? Well, I'm probably going to become an influencer with branded sponsorships. I really dig startup culture. Also looking to do some crypto ads, but I don't want to be paid in crypto. Cash only, Nate said. I slowly unscrewed the cap. How about you, David N? Uh, I was thinking about getting into acting. I'm aiming to do one of those zombie shows. I sniffed the first bottle and something seemed off. I put it down and reached for the middle one. You want to be a human or a zombie? Zombie, duh, David N. said like I was the stupid one for asking. I know all about Ethan's detective show, I said, taking my time to uncap the middle bottle. How about you, Phil? I sniffed it. Something was off about this one, too. Phil seethed. Luella, pick a fucking bottle and drink it. Well, that bought me about a minute. I grabbed the third bottle, opened it, and took the tiniest sip. It tasted like normal Gatorade to me, but that didn't mean much. I felt weary and achy, but whether that was from my earlier injuries or a sign that the poison was already eating away at my organs, I couldn't tell. Nate and David and both looked scared. Ethan's face betrayed no emotion. Phil's eyes lit up, and a half-smile formed on his lips. His dimple was out. Now finish it. I motioned to take another sip when suddenly there was a knock at the door. We all looked up. From the other side of the door, a woman spoke. I heard yelling. Is somebody in there? Is everything okay? I knew that voice. Isa. Phil put his finger to my mouth and shushed me. He nodded to David N., who tightened his grip around my neck. I was finding it more and more difficult to breathe. David N. was strong for being such a skinny piece of shit. From a criminal's perspective, I could understand why Phil wanted me quiet. However, seeing as I was probably going to die soon, either from strangulation or the poison Gatorade, I threw caution to the motherfucking wind. Chapter 42 We're in here, I yelled as loudly as I could. I don't know how much I actually got out before David N. tackled me to the ground. Soon after, Nate piled on like it was some kind of rugby match. Somehow in the chaos, I managed to pull out my Luella teeth and kind of chomp David in on the shoulder. I heard him scream and knew my dentist, Dr. Frank, would be proud. Ultimately, the weight of those two completely ripped 20-something men was too much for my frame. My lungs felt like they might collapse. Something excruciatingly painful was happening in and around my ribcage. That's when Max, the sound guy, made his presence known. 
Any true reality television fan knows the secret to a good show is to be constantly recording. The best moments always happen when people forget the cameras are rolling. It's the only way to guarantee someone shows their true, horrible colors. Thanks to some earlier coordinating with Issa, Max had secretly recorded the guy's confessions, and now he was using his boom mic as if it were some kind of giant sword, which I assure you was not part of the original plan. I saw him swipe Nate hard in the back of the neck. What I've neglected to tell you is that a few days earlier, Issa and I devised a plan. I kept quiet about it because part of me was afraid it wouldn't work out. If I didn't solve this case soon, I feared whoever killed David G. and tried to kill AJ would kill me next. And if that happened, I didn't want them reading my notebook and going after Issa. We made a plan that late Monday night slash early Tuesday morning, she let me stay on her couch. I ended up telling her that I was a private investigator trying to find out who murdered David G. She told me she was an experienced MMA fighter. She actively distrusted most of the cast and crew, and she would be happy to help in any way she could. The plan was this. If and when I got the murderer to confess, she would be there as the first line of self-defense, and she would bring someone from the camera or sound department to record whatever they said. When I asked her for Max's whereabouts in the hallway earlier, she understood it was go time. But there was a hitch in our plan. We were in 7A, not 7C, like I'd told her. I only hoped Max and Issa would figure it out from all the yelling. Thankfully, they eventually figured it out. Stephanie heard the yelling, too, and had grabbed her underwear drawer knife. I guess that's what it was for. The three of them arrived at 7A at the same time. That's when Issa knocked and asked if everything was okay. Max opened the door with his key fob to see Phil pouring Gatorades down the drain, Nate and David and dogpiling on top of me, and Ethan screaming that he was innocent. Issa proceeded to beat the shit out of David N., while Stephanie stared on in horror. Phil made a run for it, and Ethan followed him out. Stephanie eventually pulled out her underwear drawer knife and stabbed Nate in the ass. At that point, I had unfortunately lost consciousness because I would have really liked to have seen that. As luck would have it, Blair and Sarah heard the commotion too. They were heading our way with weapons when they intercepted Ethan. Phil, being the slime ball that he was, somehow outran them. What happened to Ethan was the greatest thing I've ever heard, so I will include the actual transcript from the police report. Johannes asked, Can you state for the record what you did to Ethan Robards? Blair said, I tased him. And how did Mr. Robards react? He screamed. Then what happened? Well, then she stabbed him with a cactus. And then Sarah chimed in. Yeah, then I stabbed him with a cactus. Can you describe this cactus? Well, it looked like it was ten inches, but it was really more like eight and a half. The poetic justice was, as the young people say, chef's kiss. Ethan, Nate, and David N. were arrested, but Phil remained on the lam. Tasha and I were brought to King's Hospital. On the bright side, it turned out I chose the right Gatorade bottle. Maybe deep down... Phil didn't want me to die. Okay, I know, I know, I and I am getting over him. I understand it's bad and wrong to have feelings for a murderer. On an intellectual level, I'm totally with you. You might be wondering how this case was actually solved. Psychologically speaking, I was looking for a murderer who sought acknowledgement. 
power, and admiration, which seemed to me like a cast member. When I first learned about the antifreeze, I thought the murderer might be a jilted ex-lover. That could mean Tasha, Sarah, or Blair. But the belly button incision was significant. If you're murderous and you're taking a knife to your ex-lover's dead body, I would assume you'd choose a more X-rated body part to mar. Tasha was with me when David G.'s body would have been placed in my bathtub, so at least I could rule out that she did it alone. And the fact that the toilet seat was up led me to believe I was looking for someone who preferred to pee standing up. The morning after David G. had been found, when we were told there'd be an orgy vigil, I noticed Sarah and Blair were acting differently than the men. The two women seemed genuinely upset, quite unlike David N., Phil, Ethan, and Nate. It was as if those guys had googled stages of grief and went to town. I couldn't put my finger on it at the time, but their reactions to this horrible news read as false. I wonder if these guys could have gotten away with it, if only they'd taken some damn acting classes. That night Ethan saved me, and it turned out also pushed me. I noticed something strange between him and Phil. I'll remind you, these people were very bad actors, and Ethan's reaction to Phil's arrival was so bizarre and hostile, it was almost like he was acting mad. But it wasn't just their poorly performed animosity. Going in and out of consciousness, I knew I saw Ethan in my bedroom. It kept nagging at me, just why he'd been in there. When I found the list of people's apartments inside my case notebook, I knew I hadn't placed it there, and I realized whoever did had done it as a bookmark. Ethan knew Phil was coming later that night, so he marked the page with the suspect list for Phil to see my progress. Later, as I pretended to sleep, I saw Phil pacing in and out of my bedroom, giving him the opportunity to see the page Ethan marked. I figured they were working together, but I didn't know the extent. When I saw Ethan and Nate in the parking lot arguing, I knew Nate was somehow tangled in this web too. David N. was such a natural follower, I assumed that if the other three men were involved, David N. would go along with whatever they said. I knew these four guys were working in tandem, but who was the leader, the mastermind behind it all? When I got the call from Ethan earlier that day, I learned that the mastermind, whoever it was, was getting anxious because someone had told them A.J. wasn't dead. Luckily, they didn't know he was in a coma. Only Detective Johannes and I knew that. All this time, I suspected Stephanie was the ringleader. Now I know she was used as a pawn for information and protection, just like Stryker was. I did completely underestimate Phil. Maybe it's because he wore $700 flip-flops, or because he called the Statue of Liberty a killer statue, or maybe because some sick part of me wanted to believe that a 21-year-old reality TV star was actually attracted to me. Well, now that's embarrassing. I do believe Phil was subconsciously trying to get caught. If all you want out of life is to be hot and famous, it's a whole lot of work to keep murdering people who stand in your way. Anyway, I'm thinking of getting new business cards that say, Luella Van Horn... Crimes solve themselves. Chapter 43 
Saturday, and Sunday. Saturday morning, King's Hospital was the go-to spot for cast and crew of Sex Island. They put me in a room with Tasha. She was in bad shape, with a broken leg and a sprained wrist. Because of the drugs, she didn't remember much from the night before, which might have been a blessing. The doctors told me I had four broken ribs and a severely bruised tailbone, for which I would require the use of an inflatable seat donut for the next few months. A self-fulfilling prophecy if I ever heard one. On the plus side, Detective Johannes managed to get me a new set of beautiful white Luella teeth, for which I was very grateful. Down the hall, David N. shared a room with Nate, where they were both handcuffed to their beds. David N. had two black eyes and a broken tibia from his dealings with Issa, plus a bite mark on his shoulder from yours truly. The nurses didn't think it looked human, so they gave him a rabies shot. Won't be telling Dr. Frank about that. Nate had a broken collarbone from Max's boom mic and needed 15 stitches in his right butt cheek. Not too shabby for a four-inch knife from Stephanie's underwear drawer. Ethan needed to have a bunch of minuscule cactus needles removed, but that was an outpatient procedure. Afterward, he had to spend the night in the local jail. John got a room to himself, the lucky bastard. Apparently, that jello film made for me had a higher concentration of Prestone, and John had eaten a large portion of the stuff. His liver was in bad shape, but he was awake. Right after Francis attacked me, John had gotten violently ill, and she brought him to the hospital just in time. On the fifth floor, A.J. still lay in his coma. Detective Johannes told me he had one of his guys stationed there around the clock, just in case he woke up and wanted to talk. But so far, he hadn't woken up. I didn't want to imagine what that stupid brotherhood did to him before they left him for dead in the trash room. It's a sick world we live in. By Sunday morning, still no one had seen Phil. Issa took the lead on a manhunt, and eventually, one of the wardrobe ladies found him trembling behind a rack of clothes. Wardrobe ladies, if you're listening to this, for that, I'll call us even. Stephanie made a bunch of calls to the network to see if it was legal to air the guy's confessions as part of the final episode. The network agreed, under the condition that it play over B-roll footage of the four remaining women running in slow motion. This fucking show. As I lay in my hospital bed that weekend, I thought about what drove people to hurt each other. Surely it wasn't just about a belly button being an innie or an outie. Life couldn't be so cheap. I thought about beautiful young people with their whole lives ahead of them. I thought back to when I was that age, how fragile I was, how uncertain, how I just wanted someone to tell me what to do. Maybe that was how those boys fell into Phil's trap. Deep down, I'm sure David G. was just as messy as everyone else. But from the outside, he seemed to know what he wanted. He had confidence and charisma. He had star power. Maybe that was enough to push a guy like Phil over the edge. In a lot of ways, I related to Phil. I've been overlooked most of my life, too. And at one point, I got so sick of it, I became a private detective in a blonde wig. Phil thought killing David G. would be the solution to his problems, while I thought becoming Luella Van Horn would be mine. We were both so afraid of being uncovered. He is flawed. Me as Marie Jones. But there is something freeing about being confronted with your deepest fears. Those little black envelopes were alarming, but my only option was to keep going. 
to solve the case as someone who was not strictly Luella Van Horn or Marie Jones, but a person in between, a person capable of being both. I imagine the next case will feel different. Phil was so afraid to be seen as ugly, and ultimately that's exactly what happened. I wondered if, like me, he felt some small sense of relief. Chapter 44 Monday On Monday morning, Tasha and I were taken back to set. Neither of us looked quite TV-ready, but we were both relieved to have an excuse to leave the hospital. On our ride over, I asked Tasha if she had any idea what those guys had been up to. I wish I did, she said, letting out a long sigh. I assumed that we were all friends, that we all thought it was just a stupid show. Tasha sniffled, dabbing at her eyes with the sides of her thumbs. Shit, now I'm ruining my mascara, she said, laughing at herself. Tasha reached out and gave my hand a squeeze. Bitch, thank you. You saved my life. I squeezed back. You're welcome, bitch. Our van pulled up to the beach, and Issa was there to greet us with her clipboard. Good morning! Welcome to the season finale of Sex Island. Issa had large bruises up and down her arms, but she looked happier than I'd ever seen her. Issa, Tasha, and I made for quite the ragtag crew. Tasha was on crutches, but we managed to hobble down to set, the same one I'd seen my first day, complete with the hibiscus arch. Max, the sound guy, gave me a microphone on a lanyard. Dude, how kick-ass was Friday? I broke my boom mic in half over Nate's head. Amazing, I said. Oh man, I tried finding your porn on Sunday, but nothing came up. You gotta send me the links, okay? Will do, I said, saluting him. Isa had told this guy I was a private investigator, and still he thought I did porn too. I mean, there are only so many hours in the day, man. When Blair and Sarah saw us, they burst out of their trailers and came running down to the beach. They squeezed us so hard I think I may have broken a fifth rib. Guess what? I tased Ethan, Blair squealed. And I cactused him, Sarah added. There were a lot of high-pitched screaming noises that followed. It was good to see Tasha with a twinkle in her eye again. I saw one of the wardrobe ladies heading toward me with a see-through robe on a hanger. I made direct eye contact, slowly shook my head, and this woman made the cleanest U-turn I've ever seen. I felt pretty good about that interaction. When Stephanie Hilson and George Stryker arrived on set, everyone quieted, awaiting instructions. What would a Sex Island episode be like without any heterosexual sex? Like a king without his crown, like a, like a skunk without a stink. Even now, months later, I'm tearing up at the mere thought. Where's the Kleenex? Stephanie spoke first. Ladies, I want to say congratulations for making it this far. Due to extenuating circumstances, you will all be splitting the grand prize of $100,000. Well, not Luella, but Tasha, Blair, and Sarah. Blair screamed and did a victory dance. Tasha gasped. Sarah started crying happy tears, then looked quizzically at Stephanie. Why not Luella? she asked. I was about to speak up when Stephanie answered for me. Because she's a 29-year-old private investigator who is here to solve Dave G.'s murder. 
Oh, Sarah said. I watched as she took in the information, then smiled at me. Hey, good work. George Stryker explained the day's shoot would be pretty simple. Everyone would do confessionals. Then he'd get some slow-motion footage of the four of us running down the beach. But I'm on crutches, Tasha interjected. I'm sure you'll make it work, he responded. His British accent sounded less robust than usual, and there were dark circles under his eyes. I almost felt bad for the guy. He left Issa to deal with the cameras and was heading back to Video Village when I yelled after him. George Stryker! He turned around and looked at me, surprised. What is it, Luella? The envelopes. Why? Right, well, I'm sorry about that. Might have gotten a little carried away. You scared me, I said. Figured you could take it. I heard Staten Island makes them pretty tough. How'd you find out? Oh, Ethan did the research. He sucked his teeth. You know, I really thought I'd found my true creative match. Ethan's not your match, I said. He winced at that, but sometimes people needed to hear the truth. Well, stay strong, Luella. I know you will. <laughs> pip, pip, cheerio. George Stryker saluted me and marched off toward Video Village. What a wanker. I tried to take in the details of that last day, as it was safe to assume I would never experience anything like that again. Since Phil and the guys were now in Detective Johannes's domain, I felt a cloud lift. The sun was warm, the breeze light and fragrant. I took off my shoes and the sand felt warm on my bare feet. I looked at the ocean. It was still that cerulean magic marker blue. This place was far too good for Sex Island. Sometimes, when I find myself in disbelief that any of it actually happened, I'll watch that final episode. It's only about 30 minutes long, short when compared to the hour-long episodes Sex Island fans have come to expect. It still managed to get the highest ratings of a record-breaking season. The episode ends with a shot of Tasha, Blair, Sarah, and me, just like George Stryker said it would. In glorious slow motion, Tasha is hobbling on crutches, Blair's breasts are bobbing up and down, Sarah is sneezing for the whole shot, and I look like I really have to go to the bathroom. The audio of the guy's confessions plays over the footage. After that, an unseen narrator explains how the four male contestants are awaiting trial. Real cinematic stuff. The confessionals that day turned out to be pretty epic, too. Allow me to recap the highlights. Stephanie asked off-camera, what will you remember about Sex Island? Tasha responded. The sex and the island. Stephanie asked Sarah, What will you do with the money? Sarah responded, Probably buy a skirt or maybe a couple skirts, some pants, a jacket. Um, actually, maybe a house. Stephanie asked Blair, Are you better at sex now than you were at the beginning of the season? Blair responded, I fuck so good people get hurt. Always have, always will. Hell, even I made the cut. Stephanie asked me, Do you regret coming here? And I said, Yes, but also no. But mostly yes. Months later, I watched the episode as Marie. 
I sit on my couch surrounded by my two cats named after my two favorite meat dishes. My hair is brown and frizzy. My front tooth is chipped. I'm 30 and divorced with an ever-expanding flat ass. I watch Luella Van Horn on Sex Island and I think, who the hell is she? You gotta love a wig. Epilogue. I don't think it's right to tell this story without mentioning what happened to everyone afterward. Sure, solving a murder can be rewarding, but it's not like these people are all fixed just because they know who killed the person they loved or lived next door to or worked with. Most of the time, things get worse. That's why I keep tabs on the people I meet working cases. Maybe it's the social worker in me, not that I can do much of anything about their problems. Sometimes the good people turn out okay. Sometimes the bad people learn their lesson. It's rare, but it still gives me hope. A murder plot coordinated by four reality TV stars isn't something that happens every day, thank God. So as you can imagine, the case got quite a lot of press. Phil got a good lawyer and was extradited back to Wisconsin to await trial. Eventually, he was convicted of first-degree murder and got sentenced to 35 years in a medium-security prison somewhere in the middle of the state. Seemed light, but that's Hollywood, baby. Last I heard, he was making a lot of friends in prison. He was known to barter juicy sex island stories in exchange for beef jerky and hard-boiled eggs. He always loved his protein fix. My love, my light, my outy belly button killer. I thought a lot about Phil in the weeks and months after the case. Was it really vanity driving him to kill, or was it something more sinister? Did he like having three secret henchmen? And most embarrassingly, I found myself asking, did he even like me? I tried to track down his mother at one point, but I found out she died when he was 16. I do wonder if he killed her too. Ethan's lawyer took a brainwashing angle, suggesting Phil was a sex cult leader and that Ethan was just a pawn in his game. Maybe the lawyer was right. During the final remarks, she yelled, Tell me, what did he do wrong? Three times in a row. It became a meme people use when their dogs sneak food off the dinner table. The jury determined Ethan was guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced him to 16 years in a Kansas prison. Most recently, he's been doing cameos for $75 a pop. He told some news outlets he plans to do one of those love-after-prison reality shows the minute he gets out. David N. was sent to an inpatient residential rehabilitation center near Fresno, California. Apparently, he came for money. I'm sure he'll run for governor one day and probably win. I did hear he finally shaved the goatee, but apparently he made it worse. Sources say he's been rocking a pencil mustache, or as I like to call it, the devil's dash. Nate was sentenced to 20 years in a Colorado maximum security prison. He became born again and an active participant in the prison's Christian scene. Recently, he's begun self-publishing self-help books. I read the most recent one, You Suck, Now Pray, and hey, it wasn't terrible. I do kind of suck, and now, thanks to Nate, I pray. AJ eventually came out of his coma after two and a half weeks. His motor skills still need work, 
but he's been going to physical therapy three times a week and getting better every month. After people found out what happened to him, he developed a pretty large online following. He does a lot of those videos where he'll be wearing one outfit, then he'll put his hand over the camera, and then he's wearing another outfit. People seem to like them. AJ and I still check in every once in a while. I talk more with his cousin Lauren. I think we're on the path to one day becoming good friends again. Justin, the guy who got voted off after one episode, turned out okay. He now has an OnlyFans where for $15 a month, you can watch him dance in a pair of crisp white Hanes underwear. He is now officially a model-slash-actor-slash-model-consultant-slash-dancer. I'm a proud subscriber. Blair gave up show business to live on a ranch in Texas with an oil baron she met on a cruise ship. She works with horses now. Don't worry, I'm keeping an eye on her. Sarah and Tasha got a spin-off show called Girls Island. It's kind of like Survivor, but it's just the two of them and neither one of them possesses any survival skills. Sometimes a single rotisserie chicken will arrive by raft, they'll fight over it until they're both exhausted, then sit and eat it quietly. They just wrapped their first season, and I heard they got picked up for a second one. I'm happy for them. Stephanie Hilson still produces Sex Island. Somehow, the show keeps going. I don't watch it like I used to. Now that I know the inner workings, there's something so depraved about it all, and not in the fun way it used to be. But young, beautiful people keep signing up, and now more people are watching than ever before. This season, there's a no-murder rule, and I heard they stopped that whole open-door apartment policy. Helpful. Smart. Last I heard, Stephanie and her ex-husband were trying to make things work. She still emails me from time to time with long apologies, insisting she trusts women now. I don't blame her. It's the world we grew up in. But I have yet to respond. Maybe one day I will. John was in the hospital for three weeks, and Francis stayed with him that whole time. They ended up getting back together, and rumor has it, now they're engaged. John quit Sex Island and moved to New York to work on a little show called Dateline. Ever heard of it? He and I keep saying we should get coffee soon, but I doubt we ever will. Nothing personal, I just don't leave the house much. Plus, I'm still kind of afraid of Francis. John likes to remind me she didn't actually kill me with a bread knife, she only tried to. Regardless, I plan to keep my distance. She did eventually send back my case notebook. I almost wish she would have kept it. Reading it back makes me cringe a bit. At some points, boy was I far off. George Stryker ended up falling in a ditch. Listen, sometimes dreams do come true. I know it sounds like a joke, but he actually fell into a four-foot-deep ditch and broke both of his legs. Sometimes when I'm feeling bad, I'll think about how Stryker actually fell in a ditch, and the world seems all right again. He quit the show after the David G. season and moved back in with his mom in Bloomington, Indiana, which is where he's from. Turns out, not England. Last time I checked his website, he was working on a screenplay about an alcoholic genius who struggles with a sex addiction. I'm gonna guess the main character doesn't wear a whole lot of shirts. As for the crew, Max still works as a sound engineer on the show. I haven't heard of any pink eye outbreaks, so maybe he's improved his hygiene. Sheila, the medic, is still there. She likes to send me long articles about the power of garlic that are most likely written by AI. I remember one of them said, Garlic is the power of cloves together. Release the deep scent. I always respond with a thumbs up. Nothing more, nothing less. 
She seems to find this encouraging, always starting her next email with, since you liked that last one so much. The hair and makeup ladies, Carla and Hannah, are still there too. They've proven to be my most reliable sources of show gossip, and in return, I send them Girl Scout cookies from the States. I'd say it's a fair trade. That's how I learned Issa got a promotion. She's now a producer on Sex Island. Carla and Hannah think she's going to be an executive producer by next season. I'm really proud of her. Issa keeps herself pretty busy at the show. I'm glad she's succeeding, but I hope one day she'll completely pivot and become a pro-MMA fighter or something. The woman is strong. She mostly communicates by sending me links to self-defense videos with titles like Take the Predator Down in Three Easy Steps. For her birthday this year, I sent her a pretty sick clipboard. I think it was a hit. Detective Johannes and I still talk. He keeps promising me he and his wife will come visit New York soon. And I keep promising I'll come back to the island. Maybe one of these days. This has been the finale of Murder on Sex Island, read by the author Joe Firestone. That's me. This podcast was produced and edited by Barry Finkel. Our music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This audiobook has ended, but now you can buy the book and read it in your own voice. Doesn't that sound fun?